Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. And comfort those that feel afflicted. I praise you for that. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you love him this evening? So do you love him? Touch about four people around you and tell them he's here. Come on, tell them he's here. Whatever you need, he's here. And as you're being seated, can we just tell BJ and Melody how much we just appreciate them? Man. Tell you what. Huh. They're, they're such a, just a blessing. It's just been... I don't even know what to say. What do you call it all day? It's just been heaven on earth all day long. And um, if you weren't here in the morning services, man, you, whew, praise God, whatever. <laughs> I'm still hungover from this morning. <laughs> I mean, from the morning service. Let me clarify that. Jeez, I got to clarify everything. I know, I know. But God, 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 God has visited us in a special way today. Do you believe that? I'm telling you, we, we just haven't had, we didn't just have church or service this morning. We had a shift. We had a move in the spirit. Come on. I, if you know what I'm talking about, it wasn't the norm. It wasn't the usual. And I believe it's only a taste. It's only a, a foreshadow. Of what God is getting ready to do and is going to continue to do. Come on. How many of you believe that? How many, how many of you believe that, that that can be, and I would even say supposed to be the norm. Amen. Amen. Open up your Bibles for a few moments with me um, to the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 18. 2 Kings chapter 18. I want to share with you from uh, two passages of scripture. We're going to begin 2 Kings chapter 18, and then um, I want to go over to 2 Chronicles chapter 32. I'm going to read a few passages in both um, areas, and then I'm going to tie it together. And I believe that what I'm going to share is really going to strengthen your spirit today. <clears throat> Sometimes, you know, we, we're in the age of facelifts. But how many know sometimes you need a faith lift? And I believe that there is, there is, there is things, promises, and prophecies, and destinies, and words in this room this evening that God has spoken and given many of you. And for a lot of you, you're in a season where it seems like that what he told you, what he promised you, is not coming to pass. He gave you a picture of it, spoke it to your heart. But how many of you know that when God told the children of Israel they were going to the promised land, they had to go through the wilderness first. And when they got into the wilderness, everything around them was the exact opposite of everything that God had promised them. But this is why I love the presence of God and the word of God, because it is from these text, from the scripture that you can find great strength from God's word to stand on 
and hold on to and believe when he speaks to your heart about certain things. Our text says in, in, in 2 Kings chapter 18, Now it came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, the son of Eli, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abba, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all his father to all that his father David done. He removed high places and broke sacred pillars. He cut down the wooden image and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it and called it Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord of Israel so that after him, none was like him among all the kings of Judah. None were before him. For he held fast to the Lord and he did not depart from following him, but he kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with him. He prospered wherever he went and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. Jump over to one more place. Second Chronicles chapter 32. After these things, beginning at verse one, notice that after these things. And the establishment thereof that Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered into, Ju into Judah and encamped against the fenced cities and thought to win them for himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib was, had come and that he was purposed to fight against Jerusalem, he took counsel with his princes and his mighty man, men to stop the waters of the fountains which were about the city, and they did help. So they were gathered much people together who stopped these fountains and the brook that ran through the midst of the land, saying, Why should the king of Assyrians come and find much water? He also, verse 5, said he strengthened himself and he built up the wall that was broken. For the sake of time, verse 6 said he set captains of war over the people and gathered them together um, to him in the street. Notice this. He gathered the people and he pulled them together in the street of the gate of the city. And he spake comfortably or he spake confidently. And the, notice what it says. Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed. For the king of Israel, nor for all the multitude that is with him. For there be more with us than it is with them. With him is the arm of the flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Notice that. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Now, I want to read those same verses in the message translation in 2 Chronicles 32, verses 6 and 8. Listen to what it says. Hezekiah rallied the people saying, be strong, take courage. Don't be intimidated by the king of Assyria and his troops. There are more on our side than on their side. Listen to this. He only has a bunch of mere men. We have our God to help us and fight for us. Here it is. Notice this. Morale surged. Hezekiah's words, listen to this, put steel in their spines. Notice the scripture said, when Hezekiah spoke, the Bible said morale surged. 
And could it be there for, for a brief moment, everybody was freaking out. What in the world are we going to do? But the Bible said when King Hezekiah stood up, he gathered the people like a great leader. He looked them in the face. And the Bible said he began to declare there's more with us than it is with them. They're nothing but a bunch of mere men. They lean on the arm of the flesh. But we have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and God Almighty backing us up. And all of a sudden when he spoke, faith was, was, was infused in the heart. It said morale surged and he put steel in their spines. I want to talk to you real quick on this subject. Saints with steel spines. Saints with steel spines. Doesn't make sense, does it? Doesn't, doesn't say, seems kind of crazy. But that terminology having a steel, you've heard people saying a weak spine. But this said that, that a steel spine, in other words, saints who are fortified, saints who are courage, courageous, saints who got a little bit of holy attitude about them, who, 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 saints who are bold and courageous, who don't back down, who don't succumb, who don't just give in to every opposition and adversity. But he's talking about that there's a place that saints can get that no matter what life hands to them, they can have a steel spine that says, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to stand no matter what. I'm going to stand no matter how hard it gets, how, how, no matter how long. I have to stand because the king has given me some words to stand on. Now watch this. I'm going somewhere. Understand that when you look at the story, I love the, from teaching from the Old Testament because you always can draw types and shadows and symbolisms from the text. And real quickly, as we look at Hezekiah's profile, there's great principles that we can learn from him as this great leader who stood before the people. The Bible said that he had reigned for 25 years or, or 29 years, started at the age of 25. It said this, that he was considered one of the few kings of Judah who had a personal relationship with God. He had tremendous, tremendous accomplishments. He reopened the temple doors. He reinstituted the priesthood. And the Bible said that he also reinstated the Passover. And the scripture said, as a result, did you hear what it said in our text? It said, and the Lord was with him and he prospered everywhere that he went. Everywhere that he went, he had God's provision. He had God's presence and he had God's power. And the Bible said that God began to use Hezekiah in such a strategic and, and interesting way. One of the first things that point out, I love what the scripture said, that said that Hezekiah was the son of Ahaz. But what you have to understand is that Ahaz was considered one of the most wicked kings that Judah ever had. But yet when you look at Hezekiah, it says that he was known for being one of the best kings that Judah had. Isn't it amazing that, that a son of a king had a lifestyle that was totally opposite and contrary from his father? 
In other words, what he's showing us that it is that Hezekiah is saying, yes, I didn't have the best upbringing. I didn't have the best background. I don't come from a real good pedigree. But despite my past and where I come from, I do not have to succumb or become a victim of my circumstance. I get it. My mother was an alcoholic. I get it. My daddy was crazy and lost his mind. I get it. I had great grandparents who were bound who were racist. I had, I had cousins and I was in an environment that was not conducive to my faith. But at some point, and I want to say this, all of us have a choice to do something different and be something different in life. We do not have to sit back and become a victim of our circumstance. This shows us that I can have a crazy day, daddy, but I can be a great man of God. I, it shows me my mama could have lost her mind, but I can be an awesome woman of God. When Jesus comes into your life, the Bible said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have, have become new. I am a new creation. What we've got to do is this, and it bothers me sometimes, but that's why we preach and that's why we teach because too many Christians have a victim's mindset. Too many Christians have are victimized and it and it's always somebody else's fault why you can't get where you need to get. It's always excuses why you can't be what it's them, 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 and they, 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 or if, if, if. I didn't have this and I didn't have that. Well, welcome to the club. Everybody's got a story. You can continue to live life being an accuser, being an excuser, or you can be a chooser. Joshua said, choose whom you will serve this day. As for me in my house, I will serve the Lord. I guess what I'm trying to say is that Hezekiah said, I'm not going to be like my daddy was. I'm going to break the cycle in my family. I'm going to draw a line in the spirit and declare that divorce stops here. Addiction stops here. Alcoholism stops here. Come on, abuse stops here. Poverty stops here. Come on, is anybody in here that said, God, make me a cycle breaker. I'm not going to continue to perpetuate things. I'm not going to continue to carry on things from the past. You can break the cycle in Jesus' mighty name. You can be the first to finish college in your family. You can be the first to start a business in your family. You can be the first to do what nobody else in your family ever been done. Don't sit back and say nobody's ever done it. You be the first to do it. You blaze a new trail. Come on, step out in faith and say, if God is backing me up, I can do all things through Christ who is strengthening me. He broke the cycle. Bible said this, the second thing, it said this, I love it, it said, what did it say? He did what was right, I love this, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, notice that, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, 
he was, watch this, he was more concerned with his character with God than he was his reputation with man. He was more concerned with God being pleasing in the eyes of God rather than living his life succumbing to the opinions of man. What Hezekiah was saying, I'm not here to please people. I am here to please God. And I'm going to do right in the sight of the Lord. I love this. He says, I'm going to do right regardless. I'm going to do right if nobody else does right. Me doing right is not dependent upon people. Me doing right is dependent upon the principles of the word of God. And notice what he said. He did right in the sight of the Lord. What I love about this, he understood that God sees everything. So I'm going to always do right. I'm not going to do right just in front of people and get behind closed doors and do wrong. I'm not going to do right in, oh, come on somebody, in public but then do crazy in private. He understands. I'm going to do right in the sight of the Lord. I don't care where I am. God always sees me and he always going to see me doing right, talking right, treating people right, acting right. Come on. Is there anybody who say, I want to be right in the sight of the Lord. And sometimes being right in the sight of the Lord will often... Mm, cause you to look wrong in the eyes of man but I'd rather be right with God come on I'd rather be right with him because if I get if I'm right with him I will be right with men whether they think I'm right or wrong he relied upon the Lord he did what's right he relied upon the Lord the scripture said this and he demonstrated that through his prayer life Bible said two major situations came. A great army on the outside coming against him with intimidation. But then also the Bible said his, his, his body was plagued with sickness. I love Hezekiah teaches us that prayer should always be our first response and not our last resort. The Bible said when he got an evil report from the enemy, he took it and spread it before the Lord. The Bible said when the prophet came to him and said, set your house in order that you are surely to die. He said, and I mean, a bad report, an evil report from the enemy and an evil report from the prophet in my sake. That's an evil report. You're telling me I'm going to die. But notice he didn't care the source of the report. No matter what report came to him, he knew who to report to. My God. He said, I don't care what kind of report comes my way. I know who to report to. And the Bible said he spread it out before the Lord and prayed. He turned his face toward a wall, wall and prayed. And when he prayed, that which was supposed to be did not come to pass. Because there's something about the power of prayer that no knows how to reverse the curse that breaks the chains that destroy the yokes and what we've got to do is get back to praying again prayer is what moves the hands of God prayer is what invade allow God to invade in every situation I don't pray as an emergency I pray as a lifestyle I pray every day because what listen can I tell you one of the greatest acts of pride is prayerlessness 
Because when you don't pray, you're saying, I'm strong enough. I'm wise enough. I'm smart enough. I got this, God. I can lead my family without you. I can raise my children without you. I can do business without you. I can live holy without you. I'm sorry, Memo. No, you can't. No, you can't. No man can do these things. Let's God be with him. And prayer becomes your umbilical cord to heaven that you're able to connect with him. And he downloads to you. Somebody shout pray pray we got to pray and seek God we got to pray and stand in the gap prayer was the thing that marked this king's great life and I believe because he was a righteous man he was a praying man and he was a man that maintained his standards and I love this because one thing about Hezekiah the Bible said unlike many other kings that he tore down all the Asherah poles and gods why is that important? Because the, the text teaches us that many other kings before, they only tore down some of them. And then the scripture said, as a result, the people still sacrifice to the idols. Huh. In other words, Hezekiah was a man that didn't just settle for partial repentance. He wanted complete breakthrough. He said, I'm not just settling for just being saved because whom the son of man sets free is free indeed. Yes, yes, I've been freed from the penalty of sin, but I also want to live a lifestyle free from the power of sin. I don't want to just be saved and think that's it. I'm glad you're saved. I'm glad you give your heart to the Lord. Memo, that's where it begins. Now you are in a position to walk out the freedom that Christ Jesus desires for you to have. We don't need to be a church full of bound believers. That is not what Jesus died for on the cross. He wants complete breakthrough in our lives. And we have to get to a place and say, I thank you that I'm saved. I thank you that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I thank you that my sins are forgiven. I thank you that the seal of your spirit is on my life but God when I look at my life and I look at this word everything is not lining up my attitude is not like this book says my come on somebody my mentality is not like this book says and so thank you for positioning me for discipleship thank you for positioning me to begin a journey of relationship so I can continue to be conformed to the image of God's son don't you don't you say just for salvation settle for the freedom from which Christ Jesus has set us free what are you saying we don't believe in souls no I believe in souls but that's the beginning now watch this why is this important because all of this plays out to get to me where I want get me where I want to get when it comes to this because I believe because of this foundation of Hezekiah this is what gave him the fortitude and the ability that when life threw him and the people a curveball. How many of you know life can throw you a curveball? How many of you know that things can be going good and out of nowhere, and you would say, I didn't see that coming. But it's okay. Because even though I didn't see it coming, God saw it coming. And, and, and because he saw it coming, then I can go to him to deal with what I didn't see coming. And it may have caught me by surprise, but it didn't catch God off guard. 
And the Bible said that he comes because this was a surprise attack. The scripture said after these things, after all the greatest accomplishments, all the greatest, greatest achievements, the Bible said then, isn't it just like the devil? Right when things are going good and you're doing good, now he wants to show up. And I just want to tell you, sometimes we, we, we say, wonder what that person is dippling, dabbling in. Is there sin in their life? They must be sinning. They must be doing this because they're going through hell and they're fighting opposition and adversity. And I know there's some truth to that. But could it be it could be the very opposite at times? Could it be that the battle that they're in, the fight that they're in, the adversity they're up there, uh, that, that they're up against is not as a result of sin in their life? Could it be it could be the call of God? God on their life could it be because they've been marked for the kingdom of God could it be watch this see you got to learn that sometimes the level of your attack is an indication of the magnitude of your assignment and understand that snakes only bite when they're scared they bite out of fear they attack out of fear and could it be that the old serpent is biting your life biting your marriage biting your home because he's afraid of the assignment on your life and he knows if you ever grab a hold to who you really are if you ever grab a hold to what God has called you to be the hell is in trouble demons are going to be unemployed yokes are going to have to be destroyed burdens are going to have to be lifted homes are going to turn around marriages are going to turn around cities are going to turn around schools are going to turn around could it be that the reason why you're in a fight right now is because because hell is cold holding you back but you messed around and came to the wrong service this is a service to declare don't you quit don't you give up don't you stop God's hand is on your life if God be for you who can be against you greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world give the Lord a shout of praise and I'll move on no Let me just get me. The Bible said he came there. And the Bible said when he got that report, the enemy's coming, he's attacking. The scripture said that he did a couple things. The Bible said immediately he cut off the water source on the outside. But he secured the source on the inside. He said, he, he said, I'm not going to allow, watch this, the enemy, watch this, to be able to quench his thirst if he's going to try to come on our turf and take our kingdom. He said, I'm going to cut off the source on the outside, but I'm going to secure it on the inside. And you know what he's saying? I'm not going to give any advantage to my adversary. I'm going to cut off everything in my life that could potentially be resourcing the enemy that is coming against me. God Almighty. Sometimes.
sometimes you got to make a decision that I'm going to cut some stuff off. Uh, yeah, come on. Because could it be that the things that you are entertaining is resourcing your enemy? Could it be the things that you're listening to is resourcing, come on, your temptation? Could it be that the things, the places that you're going is resourcing your flesh? The Bible says, oh, make no provision for your flesh. Don't give your flesh an opportunity to get you jacked up. It's hard enough to fight flesh in general because it's weak flesh. But when you put yourself in environments, come on, come on, come on. You can't be delivered from alcohol and hang around the bar. Come on, you can't. Come on, somebody. You don't need to be at the dance club and you know God delivered you from lust and women. Don't shout me down now. I'm giving you Bible. You got to cut the source of the enemy. Quit resourcing the enemy in your life. Draw a line and say, I'm going to seal up on the inside with the Spirit of God, with the Holy Ghost. He's my source. He's my reservoir. He keeps me. Come on, give Jesus one more shout of praise and I'll move on. said next I want you to then he said he built up the wall did you catch that wait a minute so it took trouble for him to start building isn't it funny <laughs> it's amazing the stuff that you allow to be broke down to trouble comes <laughs> it's amazing the things that you compromise in and, and don't and take for granted till trouble comes broke down prayer life broke down devotion Broke down church attendance. Broken down. Broke down. Come on. Hadn't seen you in months. You asking about what time does Wednesday night service start? We ain't had Wednesday night in seven years. You been. She talking about. What? Broke down. You're talking about where you been? We've been hanging out, broke down. But isn't it funny when trouble comes, everybody flocks. And guess what? We're going to be right here when you fly with arms wide open. But guess what? Let's not live like that. Let not trouble have to come for us to get a prayer life. Let not trouble have to come for us to get a worship life and a praise life. Come on. Can I get a big amen right there? All right. Then the scripture said this. I, I, yeah, I'm in it now. The scripture said this, that he came and he gathered, Pastor Ben, all the people. And he said, all stand in front of me. And I know the people were like, man, what, 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 what are we going to do? And the scripture said this. This is what I love. If you hear it, the Bible said he addressed the people. And he said, fear not. Don't be dismayed. Be courageous and be strong. God's on our side. All they have is the flesh. And he's going to fight our battle. And watch this. When he spoke, the Bible said that they rested in the words of the king. Almost like this that they said, <sighs> Morale, the Bible said, was infused and they got steel in their spines. What I need you to see is when you read it after that moment, nobody freaked out. 
Nobody got upset. Nobody started going crazy. Nobody were biting their nails. Nobody's knees were knocking. Nobody was sweating. Nobody was pacing, going back and forth. Uh Uh-uh. Because what brought steel to the saint's spine is when the king spoke. (laughs) I know King Hezekiah spoke. But I'm not talking about King Hezekiah. I'm talking about the King of Kings. And what this teaches us and shows us that there is great comfort. There is great consolation. There is great strength in the words of our King. When the King gave them a word, the Bible said that they were comforted and consoled. Before I heard from God, before I had a word, before I got his heart on it, before I knew what his word said about it, I was worried. I was upset. I was in fear. I didn't know what I was going to do. But now that I got a word from the king, I got steel in my spine. My spiritual, moral faith, come on somebody, is injected. And I'm going to sit until this word comes to pass. They rested. The Bible said in the words of the king, rested, R-E-S-T. They rested because they knew his word was reliable. The Bible said this, that as my word goes out, it it shall accomplish that in which it pleases and prosper where it's sent to. Follow me real quick. When God sends his word out, when he gives you a word, somebody's got a word that you've been carrying. His word is always on a mission. His word is missional. His word is mission and it's mission possible, not impossible, but it's always intentional. He sent his word to heal. If he gave you a word, it wasn't just to to make you feel good it's because there was a purpose attached to that word that he is committed to carrying out and this is what I love he said if I gave it to you it cannot come back to me until the job is done because if it does it was never mine to begin with but when I send it the job will be done you say Javon I don't know about that well let me put it in this term I, I, I tell you it was like that because that's what Jesus Christ was God sent a word into the earth named Jesus Christ and he came down from heaven just like the snow and the rain and he watered the earth with his ministry he watered the earth with his blood he watered the earth with his sacrifice and that word went to the grave that word went to the tomb but the Bible said that word rose again because you know why Jesus come on somebody he could not go back to heaven till every demon in hell was defeated he could not go back to heaven until he paid the price somebody's got a word and you're in a season it looks like it has died it looks like it's over it looks like it's in the grave but i'm here to tell you as sure as god sent it there's coming a resurrection your word is still alive it's not come on buried it's just planted and it will sprout again do you believe it give jesus a shout of praise reliable it's eternal forever is my word settled in heaven forever it's eternal God said I gave you a word and my word never changes what I spoke to you I haven't changed my mind oh God what I told you I haven't changed my mind when I speak I mean it when I declare it 
I'll make it good. I know you went through a situation, but my mind haven't changed for you. I know you did what you said you never thought you would do. And it hurt and you went through hell. But my word hasn't changed about you. I haven't changed my mind. I haven't changed my promise for your life. The same thing I spoke to you 10 years ago is the same thing I'm speaking today. And situations and circumstances and people cannot change it because it's eternal. Supernatural. It exceeds all natural limitations. One word, come defied all the laws of gravity isn't it amazing that Jesus watch this the word was already doing what it was getting ready to ask Peter to do the word was already walking on water and when he said come watch this what he was saying come see here's a phrase that we often say we need to watch this come into agreement with the word See, that's why he said, come. Because Peter wasn't stepping out on water. He was stepping out on the word. And when Jesus said, come, you know what he was saying? He was saying, come in agreement with the word. Because when you come in agreement with the word, you can do what the word says you can do. And you can have what the word says you can have. The problem is we're coming in agreement with our feelings, in agreement with our emotions, with agreement with opinions. But you got to come in the agreement with the word. Come on, somebody. If he gives you a word, I come in agreement with the word and the supernatural happens, the miraculous happen and things that astonish us. But I have to come in agreement with the word because his word is truth. The T, it's truth. And it's settled in heaven and it's truth. In other words, because the word is truth and it's settled in heaven, nothing in earth can change it. Laws can change. Legislation can change. Come on. Come on. Roles can change. Government can change. Presidents can change. All that can change. But it can't change that which has been settled in heaven. I settled this up here. And so you can do all you want to do down here. You can't change. Oh, come on, somebody. That's why he said, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Pull heaven down the earth, because I've already sold God. I've settled the issue in your family. I've settled the issue in your marriage. I've settled the financial dilemma. I've settled your healing. I've settled your, it's been settled. Pray, thy kingdom come. When he said, rest. rest a minute because that word rest means three things hold fast lean and it also means lay when it said hold fast it speaks of holding on to a promise and not letting go it's the picture of Eleazar the scripture said who held so tightly to the sword that his hand clave to it. And you know what? He was fighting for a promise. He was fighting for a barley field, but it was God's promise of provision for his family. So he was fighting for a promise, and the Bible said he held it until it clave into his hand. That word clave means welded. Any welders in the house? Oh, 
God, we're in Orange County. Ain't no welders in here. There's only supervisors and CEOs. I'm from blue collar. I used to, I used to weld back in the days. I'm a machinist by trade. Oh, that went out the door. But anyway, but welding means when you heat up two metal elements and they become one through fire. And it says that his hand clave or was welded to the sword. In other words, they became one. He wasn't just, see, see, there's a place where you're just, you, you just don't, re, you realize that I'm not holding on to the word, but watch this, but the word is holding on to me. See, I'm glad. See, sometimes we get so caught up with holding on to the word. We forget Jesus. The word is holding on to us because he wants to promise fulfilled in your life more than you want it filled in your life. But when you hold fast, it's the, it's the Greek word kateko. And it means this. It means to come down with great force. To suppress, to subdue, and to hold down. And refuse to allow anything that try to come and snatch it. Or take it away. It literally means to sit on or put a lid on it. In other words, the king spoke to me. And I'm going to sit here until it comes to pass. I'm going to sit on it until I see it happen. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to hold that. I know fear you're going to cut. No, fear you're not, you're not going to get it. Anxiety, you're not going to get it. Haste, you're not going to get it. People's opinion, you're not going to get it. I'm going to sit right here on this word until it comes to pass. I'm here that it's time for some saints to get some steel in their spine and get stubborn about the promises of God. Some of us give up too quick. Some of us give up too soon. Some of us want to throw in the towel. But I hear the Lord saying, sit on it. Sit on it until it comes to pass. Sit on it till you see it come into fruition. See on sin on it until I make it good. Come on in here. And it means lean. He said you got to lean on it. Sit on it and lean on it. Lean on the word, not lean on your understanding. Because when the Bible said lean not to your own understanding, you know why it tells us that? Because we have a natural tendency to. But when God gives you a word, when the king speaks to you and gives you a word, watch this. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes you don't understand it. And so if I lean on my own understanding, I will miss what God is trying to do. But he said, I don't want you leaning on your own understanding. I want you to lean on the promise. Because sometimes what God tells you, you will not always understand. And it's not going to make sense is what I wrote in my notes. It didn't make sense to Sarah in her old age. God said, you're going to have a baby. She said, <laughs> And I wonder, was she, I wonder was she laughing at herself, but I think she was laughing at Abraham. I'm good, but that joker? 
it didn't make sense that in this, her old age that she was going to birth something new. It didn't make sense to Naaman. Why is it that I got to dip in a dirty river when someone can just lay hands on me and someone can just speak a word to me? Why can't I do that? Why can't I just have someone speak and it falls off? No, I need you to dip in a dirty river. I need you to dip five times. Mary, 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 come here. I'm ready to burst something in you so significant. It's literally going to change the world. It's literally going to change the face of mankind. You're going to have a baby Mary I don't understand that Lord how can this be seeing I know not a man and the angel said the Holy Spirit shall overshadow you and Mary said I don't understand it it doesn't make sense but be it unto me according to thy word and some of you the reason why is the mm -hmm, you're trying to listen if you continue to try to make sense you're gonna miss a miracle said lay on it he said it means to lay I'm resting I'm laying this is what Jesus was doing in the bottom of the boat because see the king had already spoke and said we're going to the other side See, when the king spoke, he gave him a word. He gave him a promise. He said, we are going to the other side. But when they got going to the other side, the storm rose. And the disciples began to freak out because the side now became a storm. And they couldn't understand that the Savior was sleeping the stern when they were having a storm instead of going to the other side. And why are you silent, Jesus? Do you not care that we're perishing? Watch this. Jesus, I believe, got ticked off. He said, where is your faith? Because watch this. Instead of them focusing on what the king said, they were focusing on what the king didn't say. He never said anything about the storm. But he did say something about the side. And too many times we're focusing on what he didn't say. Well, he didn't tell me I was going to lose my job. He didn't tell me I was going to, uh-oh, I was going to have to give up this. He didn't tell me that I was going to be in a trial of a lifetime for seven years. He didn't tell me that I was going to have to pray more than I'd ever prayed before. He didn't tell me that I was going to have to sow. He didn't tell me that's not the issue. Why are we focusing on what he didn't say? He said, I want you to focus on what I did say. And what I told you before the storm ever rose is that we're going to the other side. I need you to rest in my words because watch this the reason why when you lay down it helps you to look up look up for your redemption draws nigh look up because your God is for you I'm looking unto Jesus who's the author and finisher of my faith and for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross he despised the shame and now he's seating at the right hand of the father and what I come to tell you tonight it is time for some saints to get some steel in their spine and say I'm not gonna give up on what God promised me I'm not gonna give up on what God told me I'm 
going to rest. I'm going to rest in his word. I'm going to lean on it. I'm going to lay on it. I'm going to sit on it. I'm going to pray it. I'm going to prophesy it. I'm going to declare it until it comes to pass. Do you believe that tonight? Do I have any saints that will get steel spines? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.